0: All are welcome here. You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Hi, I'm Rev. Renee Rossi. Welcome to Open Heart Conversations here at the United Palace of Spiritual Arts. Today's episode features special guest, Rev. Dr. Ingrid Scott, a world-renowned philanthropist and angel expert. What got you interested in angels in the first place?
2: Mm. Back in 1996, it was my 40th birthday. My father was coming back over from South America and bringing with him, I guess what you could call a medicine woman, a shaman type type person. And um, she's speaking to me about angels. and. I remember just saying to her well, do they really exist and she looked at me like of course they exist and from then I had this real curiosity about what were angels what were they about them because we all know angels come out at Christmas and this was this idea that angels actually didn't just exist at Christmas they were there all the time and It came at a point when I was feeling um, disenchanted with the church I was attending. I was hearing the same old, same old. And I left the church and angels kind of stepped in to fill that gap as I started to investigate and understand more. And then I could see how they were showing up in my lives without me even being conscious of them. And that was the beginning of a Lifelong journey.
3: Reverend Ingrid, what, what how would you describe angel
0: spirituality?
2: One thing that I love about angels is that it transcends all of the world's religions. They all have some reference to it. Certainly in the Abrahamic religions and the traditions we know in Christianity, in Judaism, and Islam, but also in Hindu and Buddhism, there's they call them divas, but it's the same angelic energy. And to me, angels are representations, or as I like to refer to them, as God's customer service agents. They're kind of the step down. If you were going to wanting to power up something, you wouldn't go direct to the electric station. You'd need something, a transformer to steep it down so that you could get the information. For me, angels are kind of that step down from the sacred, from the divine that we can access and align ourselves with and for people who have trouble or are not so comfortable with God in the God language or thinking about praying or going to God angels are a kind of a a middleman a middle group as it were that you can connect with and still have access to the divine but not feeling overwhelmed with oh I need to talk to God if that makes sense.
1: Reverend Ingrid, um, I'd like to ask you to speak more to that. So um, so what actually is an angel? You've sort of described, um, you know, how they can connect us to the divine, but is an angel uh, of being in physical form? Is it energy? It's sort of, can can you describe it more to us? Hmm. Everyone will perceive
2: and see angels differently. And I think for so many, we have this idea of a humanoid form with some big wings. And, and that's the most, I guess, that's the most perception people have. When you think of the word angel, it comes from the Greek word angelos, which means messenger. So when you think of a messenger from God to humans, of course, I think they think of flight. They think of something winged and huge and glorious flying between the divine and, and the human. But it can, and when people see angels, they see them in various ways and, and it's always said, depending on what your inner perception of what an angel is, is how they will appear to you. Because of my personal wish not to see anything, and by that I mean spirits, guides, whatever I hear, but I don't see them. But I know people who do see them and they've seen them as sort of light orbs and some people have seen them as just, or feel that they're their past relative, It's how the person individually perceives an angel is how they will manifest and show up for them. Does that answer the question?
1: Yes, yes, it does. So, angels really um, are specific to that individual's connection to the divine. Is that correct?
2: I believe that an angel has incarnated with each person from lifetime to lifetime. Of course, everybody might disagree in terms of reincarnation, but I believe that the individual as, as they incarnate with their guardian angel, that angel knows specifically what that soul needs for its growth, for its unfoldment, for its evolution. It knows what that soul needs better than the individual person needs knows what their soul needs. Because most of the time, people are tuned out to what really is going on within them. But as you connect with your guardian angel and be open to it, they can start to reveal What's your life's journey? What you incarnated on this earth to do at this time? What is your soul's purpose? What will help you evolve and grow and expand and experience more of the divine? So for each one, it's different. Each communication, each connection, each relationship is different. And so whenever I talk to people, it's or talk about angels or have a uh, group meetings, I'm always like, however you perceive or feel your guardian angel to be. Because it it shouldn't be, it needs to look like this or it needs to look like that. And I think you can get so caught up with this idea of what an angel should be or how you're supposed to connect I remember when I first got into angels, and I went to uh, meditation groups, and we'd go off into meditations, and then they'd say, "Well, who saw and who who experienced?" And these people would tell you about these phenomenal ex- experiences they had with their angel, where they looked like this and they showed up like that, and I'd be like, "Well, that didn't happen. I didn't see that," you know. And you start to think something's wrong with you because, well, that didn't occur. And the the idea is that no, it doesn't matter what that person's experience is going to be, yours might be completely different. So people should just be open.
1: I love, I love how you explain that because you can't compare your experience to anyone else's. It's individual and unique to you. That's Mm -hmm. really beautiful. You
2: know, the thing is also we're so caught up in a world that wants to compete and compare that with angels, that's not necessary. You know, you're, you're, experience with your angel, it won't be mine. And therefore it doesn't make it less or doesn't make yours more. So it's just allow whatever it is to show up as it shows up and just keep growing with it. Reverend Ingrid,
3: I wanted to ask you if angels, um, do people have angels assigned to them personally? And in a sense, you've gotten a little bit into that, um, that, that, that everybody has kind of an angel that watches over them. Could you explain that a little bit more? Because that's something that's always intrigued me ever since I was a child. I thought that was so interesting, the idea that
2: each of us has a kind of an angel partner in life. There's a wonderful quote from the Talmud, which says that every blade of grass has an angel that watches over it, whispering grow. And I love that because it speaks to The fact that if a blade of grass can have an angel watching over it, how much more we as the highest expressions of creation must have something watching out for us. My own personal experience has been, whilst I know that my guardian angel that's always with me and has been with me throughout my lifetimes, every time I'm given a specific project, I know there are particular angels that come along to help to, so when I started my angel business, first I started as a mail order and then I expanded to a shop. This was huge for me, because this is back in again, 96, 96, 97, I opened up the business. So all that time I was investigating and understanding and learning. But it was huge because in England, angels weren't big. They weren't even acknowledged in those days. For me to even find books on angels, because we didn't have Barnes and Nobles and Dylans and all that, didn't have the whole angel section that you will have now, I'd have to phone up an esoteric bookshop down in Brighton. They would send me a list. I would then scan the list for anything that had angel in the title and order it. And one time I even got, because at the time I didn't know, there was a vampire thing called angel. And so I got this book on the vampire's simply because it was like angels. And I was like, but it was this, for me, what I wanted to to do was to keep growing. And then I, the whole thing about working with angels and connecting with angels is because we're given free will. Angels will never impose upon us. We have to ask, even God doesn't impose upon us or the divine or the sacred, whatever word you're comfortable with. That whole thing about free will, means we have to ask. And so when I started my first angel uh, mail order business, I felt way out of my depth. It was not something I'd ever done before. I was creating stuff. I was having things made. I was buying things from various countries. And in those days, we didn't have the euro. So you're dealing with countries with, you know, the franc, the the peseta, the uh, lira trying to then convert it back into pounds. So I found myself, um, and it was interesting because I was married at the time, and my husband, who had a a greater understanding of these things, when I'd asked for help, he said yes, but then when the time came, he didn't give it, and so I found myself struggling, and then I was like, why are you struggling? You have angels, and I was like, Okay, so who was ever good with this maths and this conversion? I really need help now. And it was literally the, the information, the energy, you calculate this, you do that, da, 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 and I did it. And then, sort of hours later, when he decided he was now going to come and help, he said, Okay. And I was like, Sorted, got it done. And it was this for me, I think, when I started the mail order business that awareness to call upon the angels to help me with the things where I was short, where I didn't have the understanding or the comprehension has stood me throughout to the point of where I did my doctorate three years ago. Again, I'm creating an app, an app that has lots of different uh, um, applications within it, outside of my depth, outside of my, my comprehension, again, called upon the angels, I need help with this. How do I deliver something that can help people? How can I create something that's going to be of benefit? How can I do something that I'm so a technophobe? You know, it, you have this opportunity to work with a level of intelligence that is beyond your own intelligence. You have an opportunity to access via the angelic realm, knowledge awareness, wisdom, that you with your finite intelligence and mind and understanding cannot fully comprehend. Does that answer the question?
3: Yes, it does. One of the questions though that it raises for me is, um, are angels kind of servants of of human beings? Were they created to serve human beings? You
2: know, um, that question, almost makes servants service and serving almost sound derogatory or demeaning. When it isn't, it is an opportunity to allow expression of the divine. For me, the greatest teacher, Jesus, served. The Buddha served. So the angels serving humankind is their way of allowing the divine connection and expression. It's not menial, it's an honor. And it's an honor when we as humans are in service to one another. We don't consider it menial or degrading or anything like that. We, all of us here as reverends show up to serve. So it's not a, a derogatory thing to serve. Angels are serving humankind in order to help us evolve and grow and expand in that conscious awareness of our part in creation, our part as the whole, our part of the oneness that exists, that it's sacred.
3: Amazing, Reverend Ingrid, you're you're reminding me of an an old saying that the greatest expression of the divine we have on earth is seen in, in selfless service. To others um which is really what you're saying that is really what angels at, at the core really are they're sacred servants uh, and in that sense a perfect expression of divine of divine love
2: mm. it is this thing for me one of the reasons why i opened up the the angel shop was to allow people to come in, experience the energy, the vibration of angels, because people never understood what vibrations are, what they felt like. You know, when you say to people, well, how do you feel when you come in my shop? And they were like, oh, well, it feels really peaceful and it feels calm and I just like to come and soak it up. And I'm like, that's the angelic energy. That's the presence, that's that feeling. And equally, you know, when you've walked into a room where someone's had an argument, you can equally sense that and feel that. Or you know the expression, oh, you could cut that atmosphere with a knife simply because of the energy and the vibration is so harsh and so, so awful. And for me, my, my, my love and desire to have people understand the angelic realm, the angelic spirituality, as you call it, is a way to just say you can connect with the divine, you can connect with source without needing a preacher, a minister, a middleman, you have that direct access. And if you feel it's too much to go to God direct, then go via the angels. There's no judgment. For many of us, we're constantly seeking validation from outer sources, partners, spouses, parents, teachers, peers. And yet we have an inner source our angels that completely accept us, that completely love us, that are completely there cheering us on that we don't realize or remember or access and align with. And that's what I'm always trying to encourage people to to remember this. You know, stop thinking you need to find truth, validation, acceptance out there. You already have it right here. It's a
1: beautiful reminder. So this makes me wonder, Reverend Ingrid, um, you know, you've, you've given us some personal examples of how you've asked angels for help and, and how they're there and available to all of us. Um, you know, are there certain situations and circumstances in life where um, someone should or shouldn't connect with their angels? You know, are there certain situations that deserve angel support and others that, you know, humans should figure out on their own, or um, can you speak to that a bit?
2: Anything that is in the human experience can be um, helped with and supported by angels. There is nothing. I mean, the common thing is with people is the constant asking that parking angel, an angel for their parking space. You know, there's nothing too trite or too trivial. That's humans, um, how they want to see things. That's our limitations. For me, there is nothing too big or too small. That's a a human dynamic. Our angels are just there to support us in whatever way, whether it's deciding what to cook tonight, whether it's deciding what to wear, whether it's deciding whether to go on this date don't go on this date whether you should make this um investment don't make this investment there isn't anything that we can't ask for help granted we might not like the answer but there isn't anything too small too trivial too inconsequential to ask for our guidance from our angels
1: so when we ask for help um how do we ask and then what do we do next? <laughs> do we wait for some big sign or will we hear a voice or w- what's the next thing that happens? what What do you recommend?
2: I think in order for people to open up to to connecting with their angels, they first need to set aside time. Um, once you have that connection open, you don't need to be so specific. So for me in the beginning, it was always, creating time to sit and listen. So I would light my incense, my candles, do my little meditation, whatever, get into that zone and just be open up. And I know for some people, they like to keep a book and journal or write, uh, or see, ask a question and see what comes to them and write that way, and see after they finish, don't block the flow. Oh, maybe the answer's in there. For me, I found that it was just sitting, opening asking the question and reminding myself to remain open for the guidance because it may not come immediately but it will come and it you have to be awake and aware of it will come in a myriad of ways so it might not be you're hearing the voice it might come through someone that's going to say something in a conversation that's totally remote, that's nothing to do with whatever's going on. And that person will say something and you know, oh my God, that was it. Or you know, you'll ask for confirmation of something and then you'll see something on a removal van as you're sitting in traffic, as that's happened to me. There are a myriad of ways, but the, the, for me, if you're, going to, if you're going to connect, you have to start by opening yourself up being ready to hear what might be said or ready to be open to how it might come because there's no one way to which you will get answers. And I constantly say to people, I know that if I'm not getting it myself, the divine will send someone to tell me or to reveal it to me or I'll hear it in a song or something someone says on the radio, there's a myriad of ways. But first you have to develop that connection And once you've opened that connection, there are infinite ways you can get the answers.
3: Reverend Ingrid, you've spoken to this a little bit and I wanna kind of explore it just a little bit more. How how exactly can angels impact or affect our plane of existence? How, How can an angel actually impact or enter into my life and affect my life directly?
2: humans are operating on what we call the lower plane of existence and angels are operating on a higher plane and whilst you could look at certain uh there are certain beliefs about the hierarchies of angels the only angels that humans can ever contact with are going to be their guardian angels regular kind of angels and possibly archangels but in order for that access to happen The angels have to lower their vibrations and we have to raise our vibrations, which is why I was saying to Renee, to open that connection, you first have to get into that place where you can raise your vibration to do that. How that impacts you, number one, is if you are now making conscious effort to raise your vibration, to increase that awareness of the sacred around, that's going to affect how you show up in the world, the way how you interact with family, with friends, with people. As you start connecting with angels and opening yourself up, you start to change as a person, because there's no way you can maintain being selfish or self-centered and think you can connect with angels or work with angels. As you start to eliminate some of the less idealistic expressions of being human to working with being more aligned with what angels stand for, which is love, acceptance, peace, joy, forgiveness. As you are working with those qualities as well, how you start to change and sharpen in in the world as a different human being is of benefit, not only to yourself, but to the world.
3: So in other words, angels have this connection that can happen, this relationship between the human person and the angel can have an impact really um, on the human person. It can be a a part of a transformative experience for the human person. Is that correct?
2: Absolutely. If you're working with an expression of the divine, which is pure love, how can that not impact you? How can you not want to show up and show compassion show kindness, show acceptance, show love, whatever whatever you feel that's being imparted, how do you not show that? How can you not express that?
3: You've spoken again a little bit about this and I want to explore it some more. Um, I've heard that there are different forms of angels. Um, That that, that in a sense, there are different angels for different kinds of jobs. That could be a simplistic way of putting it.
2: Um, is that correct? I think there's a you can have angels, yes. So you know when you look at most of the traditions, most of the traditions will have the archangel Michael as being the archangel of protection. He's always shown with the sword, or the archangel Raphael as the archangel of healing. You'll see him with the book of herbs, or sometimes with the juice. And you think of the archangel Gabriel as the one that is the messenger that reveals the word of God to, whether it's Mary or Sarah or whoever. So whilst they do have separate roles, they can all do. But it's sometimes easier, I think, when you can identify with a particular archangel for a particular need. And certainly, for instance, I was out protesting for our human rights last Saturday, and to be in such a large crowd with a large, large amount of people and energies can get riled up. I was connecting with the Archangel Michael to watch and protect all of us, not just myself, but all of us, both the protesters and the police. So there are times when you will want to call on a particular angel or archangel for their particular attributes when you're in a particular situation, but generally, Uh, If I'm asking for healing, yes, I might use Archangel Raphael, but I also might use Archangel Mikael simply because there might be a crossover between what needs to be severed, and i.e. Mikael with a sword, or healed Archangel Raphael. So there are specific tasks that apply, but
1: they can do it all. You're listening to Open Heart Conversations. We'll be right back.
3: Practical Spirituality. Positive Messages. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Welcome back to Open Heart Conversations featuring Reverend Dr. Ingrid Scott. It brings me to my next question, Reverend Ingrid, um, you know, and you, you mentioned this as well, you know, in, in the Jewish and Christian scriptures, angels, in some of those stories, the angels could be remarkably destructive so um can you speak to that a bit um to to help us understand um you know if that's in fact true or if there's a, a different way to interpret that
2: throughout life we have the polarities we have light we have dark we have constructive we have destructive it's a constant play on birth and death and through every tradition There has to be this continuous cycle of something dying, something birthing. When you look at those stories of when there's huge destruction, there's always something that is new that is being birthed from it. And so I personally choose to see it as part of the cycle of the evolution of life. There is always this continuous death, rebirth, death, rebirth destruction, construction, destruction, construction. And so every tradition, most traditions, when trying to make sense of the history of our world, the evolution of our world, will have these stories, these folk laws of something being destroyed to which something comes forth that is new, that should be better. And so, whilst there are many stories of the destruction whether it's sodom and gomorrah or various other ones i see it as a, a reminder that sometimes we have to destroy that which is no longer serving us so that's that which can serve us can be birthed and reborn if that makes sense yes
1: i love how you put that and it's really um it's such a reflection on, you know, the cycles and the seasons on mm-hmm. earth, you know, the Listen. death and rebirth, which we are all a part of every year, every moment, so.
2: But you see, we, we so wrestle and struggle with the idea of death. And in the Western culture, we don't talk about it. You know, it's something that's very taboo and we don't speak and we don't embrace it, but it is part of the cycle of life. And it is the only thing that we can be certain about. They used to say death and taxes, and I was like, ah, people avoid taxes, but nobody avoids death as much as they might like to try and do so, but they don't avoid death. But it's this, we we so fear talking about death as if it's, it's that we do see it as the end, as opposed to a continuation of life in a just different form. So yes, when we hear the stories of destruction, we tend to go within a shadow and, and, and want to avoid them.
1: So I know we've, um, we've focused a bit on the Abrahamic um, traditions and the stories um, throughout our conversation here, but can you also speak to how angels are spoken of in um, some of the other worlds and during um, traditional uh, spiritual and religious traditions?
2: Hmm. I think one of the things that I loved when I got into angels, I felt if they were true, if they were real, then they had to be true and real for most of the traditions. Um, And that was the thing that I guess got me hooked because if something's only true in your tradition, then eh, maybe it's not so true. Um, But when I started to research and found that, okay, so they were in Islam, Hmm. the angel, the archangel Gabriel was the one that um, gave the prophet Muhammad, let be his name, um, the Quran okay, and we know they appeared in uh, Judaism, okay, and we know they appeared in Christianity. But how they appeared in Buddhism and Hinduism, whilst they didn't call them angels, and they refer to them as divas, meaning shining ones, they said that some of the bodhisattvas were actually angels, and even that Kuan Yin was, in fact, an angel and a shining one. Um, And in the Hindu tradition, they see... The divas as the, the male and female energy, both the construction and destruction as we've seen in the, in the, in the um, Abrahamic traditions. And so there exists in the Buddhism philosophy in the Hindu philosophy, in Zoroastrian philosophy. I was convinced then after seeing how they showed up in other traditions, this was something that was real. This was not just something that was a little woo-woo for the Abrahamic traditions. The major traditions included and recognized their existence.
1: I love that. I love that you found that common thread across all those different um, practices. And that makes me wonder, um, can someone connect with angels who maybe doesn't feel connected to a, a, a particular religion or faith?
2: Absolutely, and that's one of the things that I, I, I try to emphasize. This is now, my, my connection with angels wasn't about originally to do with religion. It was simply to connect with something that kind of cut out the middleman who said, you need to use me to find God, i.e. ministers. Um, so when I talk about angels, I refer to the fact that they are the helpers of something that is greater than themselves. So it doesn't matter whether you want to believe in God, per se, or any other faith or tradition, but you can connect to that something greater, however you feel it to be, whatever you want to call it to be via the angels. So you don't need to be Christian. You don't need to be whatever. You can just show up in the world as a good and decent human being, connect with the angels, and try and bring a little more love and light into our universe, which is so in need of it.
3: Reverend Ingrid, can you share with us um, one or two personal stories of angelic intervention in your life?
2: Oh. Even before I'd I'd recognized uh, angels as being a part of my existence, once I knew of their their presence, I was able to kind of look back even before being conscious of them to see how they had interjected themselves. One time I was coming home from work, coming down a hill and my brakes went and I totally, you are not logical and you are not thinking but I managed to swerve around the corner and stop the car without hitting anything or anyone. And that was even before I knew of them. But I think one of the, and again, as I've said, throughout doing my dissertation, they would present things, ideas, information, books and things. But one of the things that I I know that so confounded me was when I had my shop, uh, we would change the windows and change the inside of the house. And it was always a, a long, all day affair. and We'd left probably the shop about 11 at night. At about one in the morning, I got a call from the alarm people saying that the alarm had gone off. I got up, put my clothes on, drove to the shop, didn't check the front door, simply just reset the alarm and went back again. And it was particularly a particularly gusty day uh, that, that day. I came home, they phoned again to say the alarm had gone off. And I just thought I'm too tired and too exhausted and just said, angels, please watch over my shop for me. Eight o'clock in the morning, I got up, went to the shop and I saw, as I went to do the alarm, I went into the shop to check and see if everything was okay. I saw something on the outside of the door. When I went to try and unlock the door, the door was already open. I hadn't locked it. And there someone had put a note on the door saying, please do not touch the door. The alarm is on um, and the alarm will go off again. And then as I opened this door, this woman came up to me and said, oh, I came to your shop and saw it was was closed, but the door was open. And so I put the note on there and I've been sitting in my car watching to make sure nobody would go in. It was so windy that day, the fence had blown down. And I remember thinking, look at that. This is how I am watched over. That not only did no one come in and they could have cleaned the shop out, somebody stood and watched over it mm-hmm. to make sure so I could never ever ever as I say deny the presence of angels in my life always they have been looking out and watching over me when I'm driving just always always they're there with me.
3: Reverend Ingrid I um this was not a question that I we Renee and I plan to ask, but I'm going to ask anyhow, and it's most probably going to put you on the spot. But I know you very, very well. And I know that you, um, you are a, a person of um, extraordinary accomplishment. You built a very, very successful company and, and made more than just a small fortune. I also know that you've committed yourself to taking all of those resources that you've made throughout your life. And you've been basically giving them away as part of your charity, and all will be given away by the end of your life. In a sense, you're an angel, right? You've been an angel to many people's lives. Um, how do you, how do you place that kind of life, a life where you really have been of service, both as a minister and today find yourself? going around the world, handing out uh, resources as a philanthropist. How is that related to, to this spirituality that has been so central to your, to your own evolution and to your own, to your own spiritual uh,
2: life? When I started my mail order business, I came across a quote by G.K. Chesterton, who said, we are each of us angels with only one wing, and only as we embrace each other can we fly. That so struck me that I knew that if I was saying I was showing up for God, the divine, the sacred, I had to be of service. I had to do my part. There was a wonderful film called Defending Your Life with Meryl Streep and Albert Brooks, where at the end of their lives, they had to stand be- before a court, as it were, and give account for what they did with their time on earth and their resources. And it's a great film and you should dig it out if you haven't seen it. But it struck me that if my life ended, would I be able to give account of myself in such a way that I could say everything I was blessed with, I was able to use for some good. And that's kind of been my guiding force. If I have to give account for my time on this earth, can I say, I tried my best. I could have done better maybe, but I tried my best. And that's what it's about. How do we help lift one another up? How do we help each other on this journey called life? How can we embrace one another so that we all fly? It's not enough for me to soar and fly. I want you to be soaring and flying too, which is why I do my angel workshops, my reminder sessions, to remind people of their own inherent greatness, This isn't a gift to some, it's a gift to all. But if you're unaware of it, then you won't use it. And the whole point is to use it, to connect with your angels, to work with them, to help be an angel on this earth. You've mentioned
3: these angel workshops, these angel groups. Um, Some of our listeners and our viewers might be interested in developing one. So tell us a little bit about what those look like.
2: Yeah. Um, Usually I'll set a theme and sadly, because of COVID, I haven't had one for a while, but we're coming out of restrictions. So definitely be having one soon. I will pick a theme, whatever is given to me or ask the participants, is there something they want us to talk about? And we'll start off with, I feel with every meeting, there's set things that we have to do. And I go around to find out what first are you grateful for? When we start to develop an attitude of gratitude, I think that's an opening to connecting with our angels as well. So everyone has to go through and just share with the group what have they been grateful for. We will then talk about, um, I, I like people to understand that there is power and energy in their words, in what they think and what they say. And so then I'll have them go through what I call an A to Z of positive words. And people struggle to identify themselves with positive words. When I used to do angel reads at the shop, I'd ask people to tell me three nice things about themselves and they would struggle. And I would have to cajole and say, hey, we're not pulling teeth here. Can you say that you're trustworthy? Yes, I'm trustworthy. Could you say that you're kind? Yes, I'm kind. Would you say that you're a good friend? Yes, I'm a good friend. Well, there you go. There's three nice things about yourself. So it's getting people to start thinking about themselves in a more positive and affirmative light. And then we'll discuss whatever the theme is. Then we'll have a mini meditation, and always we'll have angel cards. So within the meditation, there'll be an angelic meditation where they'll go and meet with their archangel or angels or or whoever. And then we'll always end the night with an angel card read. So. I have a huge selection of angel cards. Um, we'll take out the angel cards and everyone will pick. And what I always say to people, what you pick may be for you or it may be for someone else. So each card that we read and share is a message for all of us. And then we'll end the night with a prayer. And eventually I can get them out of my house after nearly two and a half to three hours. So that's how I, how I do my, my angel workshops my reminder sessions
3: having having eaten in your house if there's food afterwards i'm sure people say another two or three hours by the
2: way. yeah we, we always have food we have some snacks and things because people sometimes are coming straight from work and, and i do believe you know um food is one of the greatest ways of of connecting with with people of sharing that hospitality um just it's part of who I am. So it's, yeah, I don't do this thing about let's just, just have coffee. It's like, where's the food? It's, there's got to be food involved. Let's do the sharing and the breaking of bread. That's that's what's about for me.
3: Um, Reverend Ingrid, we've talked a lot about angels, and you, you, you hinted at this idea of a relationship with the divine. Tell me a little bit more about what are angels' relationship to the divine?
2: Angels are aspects of the divine. The, the ending A-E-L, the A-L that, that you'll see in most of the angel, angelic names means of God. So they are of God. And as I said before, I view them as God's customer services. They are the bridge between the sacred, the holy, and us, the humans, on the plane, on this plane. They are a reminder of our innate divinity. They help us connect and remember our sacred nature because they're a part of that sacred nature too. There is no jealousy within angels. There is no, I mean, we like to talk about the story of the fall of Lucifer, who was the brightest of them all. And to me, that is simply, again, another myth that's been created. Lucifer was the bright angel who came on earth to help balance humanity's dark, heavy, gross energy with that light way of being. And when we think about, for me, the divine, the sacred, the holy, has provided everything we need to live this life. Whether we, and, and the greatest gift, as I said, is free will. Whether we free use our free will to connect with the with the source, or use our free will to connect with our angels, or whether we just want to muddle along by ourselves, trying the best, it's entirely up to us. But as aspects of the divine, as aspects of the sacred, they bring that same loving energy, that same acceptance, that same pureness about.
3: Reverend Renee, do you have any more questions? I know that I keep asking questions and asking questions. I'm like so wrapped and that I'm like, oh no, my sweet sister may have a few questions of her own.
1: Well, I just, I just, you're, you're making me think, Reverend Ingrid, like when you say how angels are of God, and um, they, to me, it really feels like they reflect to us how we are also of God. And, and how we are divine through our connection with them. And so, um, you know, that feels like a really powerful part of the, the relationship with them, of, of what they allow us to recognize and see within ourselves.
2: Mm. Nicely put. And it is that, you know, I think too often the human experience leaves us struggling with the acceptance of our own worth of our own divine nature of our own goodness of our own beauty of our own anything that you know you think of we we so struggle with that so many of us grew up being told don't be full of yourself who are you you're too big for your boots so we're never allowed to praise ourselves and yet there is that within us our uh, angels that are praising us that are acknowledging how wonderful we are, that are there, as I said, you know, our little cheerleaders going, yes, you are beautiful. Yes, you are worthy. Yes, you are deserving because you are divine. You are an aspect of the whole. You have all of that that the whole has. So yes, our angels do help reflect our true nature if we open to them.
3: Reverend Ingrid, if um, someone um, has heard this and they really want to learn more They want to get more sense of of angelic spirituality, of of angels. How can they do that? Oh,
2: sweetheart, this is the 21st century. Ask Google. Everything is on Google. You know, it's not like in my day, as I said, I had to phone up an esoteric bookshop to try and send me a, a book list. There is so much. What I have loved as I've looked at this journey, these 20 plus years of doing this, is how... Angelology has gone from being something considered woo woo, new agey, um, in the back of the back, to now having its own section, um, to have in it its own sort of main, cult. It's, it's out there now. When I started with angels, as with most in my group, nobody else was into angels, nobody spoke about angels, but I was sufficiently confident and comfortable that when I said I'm doing a mail order business and I didn't tell anyone, I waited till my 42nd birthday and then had a party at the warehouse and, and then say, hey, this is now what I'm doing. And it was like, okay, it's this. For me, they're now out there, they're mainstream. People talk about angels openly. It's no longer hush hush, it's out there. So yeah, Google, there's, and, 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 The one thing that I think I want to emphasize, you can read, and certainly it was my experience, you can read as many books as there are on angels and each might have something similar to say and some might have something conflicting or contradictory to say. So it's be open to it all. Be open, read, and ask for discernment for yourself. Don't just think, oh, because they've written it, it must be so. Always ask for discernment.
3: Let me ask you a little bit of a provocative question now, because um, um, I love the way you put that, uh, because it really speaks to the fact that there is a there is a richness to the theology and and the mythic understanding of angels. One of uh, there are folks that have a sense of angels as angels being like human beings in the sense that they, they were they created angels and they've always been angels. But there's also uh, some folks who believe that angels were actually once human beings who've lived a specific life and have kind of arisen to the level of angel. Do um, you take a position on that? Are there angels who, that were once housewives and that were once house husbands and that were once nurses and that were once farmers and now find themselves in the angelic realm Um, being of service as angelic presences?
2: Well, I guess it started with Enoch, who was ascended up and was once the patriarch and then became angelic. If that helps people move through, manoeuvre through their world, go with it. If it doesn't hurt anybody, go with it. It doesn't roll for me personally. It's not something I ascribe to. But as I said, if that rocks your world and that's what you wanna believe, go for it. And and it is this thing of, of, I never want to tell people definitively, you have to be this or believe this or follow this or do this. If this is what your awareness or understanding is and you feel okay with that, okay. And it's not harming anyone, you go with that. I'm not telling you otherwise. Because maybe that's your spirits telling you, that's your truth. You know, we always try to impose and inflict what we think is our truth on other people. Let them discern it for themselves. That might be their truth for a while. And maybe that's the truth that they need to support them at that time in their lives. And maybe further on, they might discard it.
1: But I I let people be. I love how you put that, because it's like we each get to be creative and how we want to connect with angels, how we want to connect to the divine, and we are free to evolve within that relationship. Um, You know, no no one has to stay stuck, because certainly we don't stay stuck. We're always growing and evolving, and time continues on. So um, I love that sort of permission you gave us all just now.
2: But this is, comes back to we know when we remember we have been given the gift of free will. Free will means we get to choose. So if, we, if we've been given the gift of free will to choose, who am I to impose upon you? What I can do is suggest and, and invite you to look at it this way or maybe look at it that way, but you get to choose whether it's right for you. And my thing has always been, does this resonate with you? If something resonates with you and within your being, you know that you're hearing truth or you're feeling truth. If it doesn't resonate, leave it alone. Maybe it's not your time for for understanding this now. And maybe in some future time, it will go, oh, yeah, that's what that meant. Okay, get it now. So, you know, just go with the flow. There's too many rules and regulations about what we should and shouldn't do.
1: For me, hanging with the angels, that's not
2: ever, ever an issue.
1: Thank you for listening to Open Heart Conversations from the United Palace of Spiritual Arts. We're also available to watch and listen for free on our YouTube channel, wherever you listen to podcasts, and at upspiritualarts.org. See you again soon. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.